Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Can demons cause it to rain inside your house? Can they be attracted by conflict and abuse in a family? What is a demon anyway? Well, hello and welcome to the 679th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Paul, and unfortunately, Ben uh, came down sick this morning, so I hope that uh, the large audience we had in Danbury, Connecticut yesterday, we had a great program there. I hope uh, not too many of you kissed him, uh, because that might have been trouble. So anyway, we're bringing you a new guest on a familiar subject today that can be approached from many different directions, and we welcome your calls. It's 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Or four, uh, 401-766-1240 here in Northern Rhode Island. And we will monitor Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com for emails. Michelle Zirkel Markham is a weekly columnist for Ohio Valley Publishing and the host of Life Speaks at www, uh, I always get trouble with that, uh, www.ontheairradio.com. A graduate of Concord College and Marshall Graduate School, she taught high school for 20 years and now freelances as a writer. Her debut novel, Rain No Evil, was released in July 2016 and chronicles her transformation after a brush with evil. Her website, michellezirkle.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-Z-I-R-K-L-E.com. Michelle, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Hi, Paul. I'm excited to be on with you today. Well, thank you. I only wish Ben were here. You know, Michelle, we very seldom have novelists on the show, but your novel is not only hard-hitting, and some of it gets kind of rough because of the abuse involved, but it's also based on your own experiences, uh, paranormal experiences, and that's what we're interested in, of course. Can you give us the background story of what happened to you as briefly as you can? Yes. I was a high school teacher. My ex-husband now uh, was a police officer, and we had two boys living with us in a house that we'd lived in for eight years, and after a prayer to God to prove he was real to me, I had the most bizarre experience as an answer to that prayer that I can say I've ever heard from anyone, including the prophets in the Bible. Uh, we had water spraying inside of our house three days later from literally from nowhere. We looked for a water leak for weeks and were unable to find one because there was no physical water leak. Uh, many other apparitions and uh, sightings, we had eyeballs floating in, in the air. We had, uh, I saw a demon in my mirror. Many different uh, paranormal activities went on. I know that word's very overused today because of all the movies, but that is exactly oh, what sure. it was. Yeah. And I had to share this story. I had I was compelled to write this book and share this story with the world. Wow. One of the things that attracted me, and, and we received your book some time ago from the publisher, and one of the things that attracted us is the uh, indoor rain idea, because um, I don't think Ben's run into that, but, but I have on several occasions, and it is very strange. Um, not necessarily, well, in one case there was indoor rain actually going on, coming from seemingly nowhere. At another point there was water coming down some steps in a public library, and there was simply no source for it. Can you tell us more about the uh, the aquatic nature of that particular phenomenon? I mean, when did it begin? Well, you said, but when did it begin, and, and how how long did it go on, and what exactly did it look like, and what damage okay. did it do? 
Well, when I said that prayer, first of all, I think it's very um, it's very relevant that I said that prayer in the shower. Um, now I look back and I see that that must have been the portal, and that must have been the reason that there was water involved in my answer. At least that's what I purport. Um, we were sitting there three nights later, my husband and I watching TV, and my oldest son was 12 at the time, and my youngest son was 7. And my oldest son came down the stairs and said, Mom, water dropped on my head. Well, at first we thought the kids were playing around. and But before the night was over, we realized there was no way that was possible because they were, wouldn't even be in the room, and water was actually spraying across the room. And when you would just you would hear it, you would see it splat and hit the wall, it would run down the wall. I mean, with force, like an invisible water hose. It was force. It wasn't dripping, other than once it would hit the wall, it would, of course, run down. We would look around to see where the water came from, and there was no water uh, pipe shooting out of the wall. There was no explanation for where it came from. But I have to say, I didn't initially, uh, I didn't initially tie this to that prayer. I had no idea it was anything paranormal at all. This went on for two weeks in the house, uh, and then um, we started having the paranormal, other paranormal activities going on. We start my youngest. Uh, started seeing eyeballs floating and uh, hands pressed through the wall. I saw a demon in my mirror, which was still to this day the most frightening experience I've ever had. And so with all of that, there was revelation given to me that there was a, an evil spirit in the house. And you could just feel the, the oh, electric, um, the, the energy in the house was just, it was crazy. Uh, you know how you walk in a room and there's been a fight in there, and you might not have even heard it, but you just walk in and you feel that tension between people. Sure. That's what it was like in my house to a scale of like 100. Okay. That's what the feeling was like. All right. Um, we Okay. Here, well, we have a question from our uh, august uh, executive producer here. Uh, can parasites cause similar activity? Maybe that's a question to me. So the answer, I guess, is yes. Um, we are a little... Well, you, you, I'm sure you're familiar with, with some of our work. You know, we take a little bit of a canted view on some of this in the sense that we don't use the same labels or don't understand words like demon as most people would. But, but we respect all opinions. So what in your, right. what is it that told you this was a demon in the mirror? Okay. And, and what, that, what a, is a demon? Okay. Um, first of all, I grew up Pentecostal. So the idea of a demon to me, um, was in that context uh, for many years, uh, growing up Pentecostal and uh, having witnessed an exorcism when I was about uh, eight years old, a woman running in the church screaming, and, and uh, they sent the kids to the basement and, and actually gave an exorcism to her. Um, from what I remember, she was very calm afterwards and wasn't crazy like she was when she ran in. Um, but, but given that context, I do think of a demon maybe differently now than than what um, than what other people do, I, I don't. I did not see other than seeing the demon in my mirror. I did not see what was actually spraying the water. I could see the water come from the air. It actually formed from the air and would shoot out from nowhere, literally from the middle of the air. Uh, and this was only after it had went on several weeks. It kind of drove us crazy for two weeks. But the revelation was given to me when I was actually at, at a high school in Mason County, West Virginia, which ironically is where um, I w- had taught high school, which is where the Mothman's from, and yeah, the, yeah, the whole legend there. of the Mothman. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's so, an old friend. 
Yeah, and <laughs> and I taught with Jeff Wamsley, who does that whole Mothman Festival. I taught with him for years at Point Pleasant High School. But um, I was at, at a high school there in the county, and I was on planning period, and all of this was going on at the house. The water uh, was shooting, hitting the light bulbs, making the light bulbs bust. It was setting off the fire alarm. And, and things that you don't think of until it actually happens. And then you're like, well, I guess, you know, that, of course it's going to do that. But I was, I was at my wit's end again, uh, with God and like, why is this happening? You know, what, what's going on? You know, are you trying to drive me crazy? And I'm praying on my planning period. And literally the only time in my life that I've ever actually heard an audible voice from God, and I'm, I'm, I'm using the word God, you, you can refer to, to the Almighty, the Divine, a higher power, whatever, whatever you want to call that higher being that's there, he proved to me during all of this that he is indeed real, he, she, whatever, it, there is a higher power that hears us, and that was the whole reason I prayed the prayer to begin with, but I heard this voice, and it said to me, there is nothing you can do, you are not in control. And those, with that, there was like this imprint of knowledge as if someone had just stamped my head. And I knew there was an evil spirit in the house. Now, I say evil spirit because that's, the, that's what came to me. The word demon wasn't actually the word that I was given. Um, I barely made it back to my desk and sat down. I was like, oh, my gosh, I did not see this. I did not, um, I didn't understand that that's what was going on all that, for that two weeks. And... So now I knew, and I had to go home and share that with my husband, who was, he was already at his wit's end. We were already in marital uh, distress. We already had a dysfunctional marriage for years. Um, and so that was the reason that kick-started this whole thing anyway with the original shower and the prayer, uh, in, or prayer in the shower. So with that, I, I knew I had to go home and tell him <laughs> that there was a, an evil spirit in my house. And he reacted just like I thought he would. He he thought I was crazy. People are going to think you're crazy, you know. So he kept calling, you know, people to come in. We had plumbers in. We had um, we had everybody and their brother, as they would say, in our house. Everyone from experts that the insurance company sent to um, to just people that we knew that were contractors that had worked in in different industries for years. Uh, my dad, who I've interviewed on my radio show who actually works with OSHA and, and water catastrophes and all sorts of things. We had probably 40 to 50 people through our house. And we did file an insurance claim, which is very funny to me because um, they ended up paying it. <laughs> and yeah. all we had, the only damage we had done was the water had soaked the pad in the kitchen. Uh, we had the, the burble carpet in the kitchen. It had soaked the pad. We had to replace that. But when I called the insurance company to tell them that this, uh, you know, we, we have this fixed now. We had, we had a priest come, and we have this fixed now, and, and that's all I can tell you, and this is the only damage we had. The, the representative from the insurance company actually said, you know what, I'm going to pay this because I believe you. I lived in a haunted house, and they sent us like 800 bucks because of it. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question or, or maybe more, but... No, no, you're describing, a, a, in a way, kind of a, a classic case. Did anyone test this water? In other words, did it... No. No one, no, no, no one, one did. You know, did it come from no. municipal system, no. your well, or, or what? Did you have a well or a municipal water system? No, we did not have we did not have a well, but we did have a septic system that my husband insisted. We had a full bath upstairs. We had a half bath downstairs. When my oldest son, who was twelve, would go into the half bath on the first floor, 
he would flush the commode and water would literally form a funnel and hit the ceiling. And that, we, my husband thought, was a result of a septic system that was not big enough. We actually spent $1,500 to replace the septic system at that location. That's cheap. And, yeah, yeah. But they did the whole French drain and did, redid all of that thinking that it was not, you know, that that was the problem. And, and indeed, that was not the problem. I actually tried to video that as well. And when I went to video uh, the water spraying, I could stand there and watch it. I could watch it form a funnel and literally hit the ceiling like a super squirt gun, and it would not allow me to video. It would go dark. It would go light. Um, it was it was not going to let me video what was going on. Yeah, we people would say, aha, that's a convenient excuse, but that's happened to me too, so I know that it happens. <laughs> you know, well, uh, until you experience some of this stuff, you just cannot understand. And, you know, like testing the water, that sounds like, well, yeah, why would you not think of that? But when you have all of this, this crazy stuff that you cannot, you can't even comprehend it uh, going on, and you're you're at your wit's end, and you're you're still where I was working full time. I was actually having to leave, you know, leave school early sometimes to go home and meet a plumber or meet a. Uh, we had the heating and cooling people come. They thought it was condensation. I said, <laughs> condensation? Does it spray across the room? Yeah, right. Um, you know, uh, of course it was no. Um, but I also had attachments to me, um, and you mentioned what is a demon, and and you mentioned parasites, and I, I think possibly you're referring to attachments that can attach to people's auric fields, and if that's yeah. the case, I actually had that and did not know it. Um, that was something that came about after we had the house exorcism with the priest and all, uh, which, by the way, my husband would not be at the house at that time because he, he did not want to have any part of it. And after all of this was over and he saw that it actually worked, uh, we all became Catholic. Uh, for four years, I was Catholic with him as well. And, and our marriage was uh, was better, but there was still this unhappiness with me, and there just still wasn't something right. So upon the recommendation of a friend, I went to an energy healer in Charleston, West Virginia. Energy and healer. I'd okay. never been to anyone like that before. And... Uh, I went to her, liked her, went a few times, and while I'm laying on her table, the second visit, I hear voices above my head, and they are saying, I told you you shouldn't have come here. I told you you shouldn't have come here. And there were many of them, and they were creepy. And I looked over at her, and I ended up having a seizure on her table. And thank God for her, because she was able, because she works with angels, and I know much more about it now. I've worked with her actually for ever since then. So for, for over five years, um, I was able to be liberated from those forces that had attached to me. She works with angels, and she was able to do that. So she's a homeopathic doctor and a master healer. And actually, she and I have partnered up to give uh, give away my uh, book every week and to give away an hour energy session with the winner. Uh, you just can register by going to rainnoevil.com. So I have a few websites, but rain, and of course that's rain like water, RainNoEvil.com. You can sign up to win a free copy of my book or an hour energy healing session with her, and that'll be given away uh, March the sixth. Okay. Well, we we'll give you a chance to talk about that in the second uh, second hour. You know, with the stipulation that this show and this station do not endorse any particular methods for that sort of thing. However, we'll give you a chance to talk about that later. Um, getting back to uh, some of the terminology we have here, Michelle, um, we are 
may be wrong, but we, we think that a lot of the things that we attach labels to are not, the labels aren't good enough, and they're just uh, from our very limited understanding of forces that are really kind of like beyond anyone but our remote ancestors who probably understood them. So, and, and, and we also don't trust any voices, okay? You know, nothing in the paranormal is what it appears to be. And again, we could be wrong. But in your case, um, how, the, the voice you heard initially, how did you know it was God? Okay, the voice when I was on planning period. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I was praying at the time to God. Uh, I, I grew up in a Christian home, so I prayed through Jesus as a, that was, that was the catalyst for my prayer. Okay. And I didn't have an evil sense of feeling when, when that, when that was spoken to me. I had, and all I can do, like you said, is, is share my experience and what I felt at the time. Sure. And that's all I think any of us can do. That's right. And, yeah. and I will do that to my, the best of my ability. I, I can remember standing there looking out the window praying on my planning period and when that voice was, was spoken to me, I felt, I felt that it was, it was divine. It, it was not an evil feeling. It wasn't uh, a threatening feeling. It was, even though it was shocking to me, that revelation, um, it was nevertheless comforting in a way because it was like I was again given an answer um, that I had asked for. I was like, what's going on? What can I do? This, is crazy. And when I asked what can I do, my answer was, there is nothing you can do. You are not in control. And the, the person in control was the person answering that. And I felt that was God. And that, that's all I know. Um, and the voices that, were, that I heard when I was at the healers, those voices telling me I should not have came there, were completely, I had a completely different feeling about them. They were scary. They were uh, like almost like growling. I use growling in the book a lot to describe voices, um, but that's that's what I would describe them as, more of a growling, and it was a very foreboding sense. And again, these senses, you know, just like that electric in the air that you felt when you walked in the house, um, it, it, it's something you can't explain unless the person just feels it. Some people can see ghosts. I have to say I've never seen a ghost in my life. Um, I've sensed things. And I, I would take pictures when I would sense things going on at that period of time. I have many uh, uh, pictures, actually, on a YouTube. Uh, I have a YouTube trailer as well, but I have pictures on there that I took of orbs at that house. Now, they are, they're not of actually uh, anything that was spraying water because, again, I didn't see that. But I did have a sense of something being around or, you know, there, there was just an uneasy feeling in the air sometimes. And I would snap a picture and I would get pictures of orbs and, you know, a picture of, like a form, an outline of a person standing in front of me. Uh, so I, I don't know. Um, I don't know exactly how anyone else could tell the difference between um, a demon or whether God was speaking to you or whether someone's just simply schizophrenic or whatever. But well, I sure, know that I don't sure. normally hear voices. Those are the two times that I heard distinct voices and two distinctly different feelings with those times. All right. Uh, one of the things that bothers me a little about that initial voice contact was that you were not in control that's a red flag for me um may and again maybe i'm wrong maybe it's my my seminary education but it, mm-hmm. the idea that you're not in control it's it's always it's very important spiritually and from the traditions of a number of different religions to to precisely be in control not to let anything tell you what to do it should it has to be your own will your own decision now that's my 
personal opinion. That's my experience with cases like this. So, so, so that, you know, may very well have been what you thought it was, but just personally, that, that, that kind of makes me a little nervous. But be that as well, it, it what, what, are you saying that you think that that was something else other than God? You, you think that that's... Uh, well, you're the one who experienced it, so you're the only one who can answer. But I, I would say, right. in my experience, I would be very suspicious of the source of that. That's, that's right. my well, personal and, opinion. And again, that, that, well, I didn't feel fear with that. Um, and exactly, that's the only thing I know is that it did not feel... It did not feel scary to me. I was actually praying to God and asking Him what else I could do at mm-hmm. home to get this water to stop. Okay, well, fair so enough. My answer just, was, yeah. yeah, I wasn't in control, and and that to me meant there. And and I told you that there was just like this knowledge. It wasn't that I thought there was a spirit in the house at that point. I absolutely knew it, and there's a difference of, you know, I well, I think there could be a spirit in the house. That wasn't the way this went down for me. Um, it went down, boom. With that revelation, there's a spirit in the house. And, like, no one was going to talk me out of that because I knew it at that point. It was just one of those divine, I felt, divine revelations. So, um, irregardless, if you have other questions. Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, What do you mean by a spirit? Well, like I said, there was an evil spirit in the house was the the, uh, imprint that I was given. That was the, the word. So... The evil spirit, all I know is that I feel that God allowed, the. when I said that angry prayer in the shower, I said, you know, you've got to prove to me you're real. I'm working on my marriage. I'm doing everything I can do to, to make this work, to be happy, and it's not working. And I'm tired of praying. And, I mean, it was an angry prayer. Um, you know, other people in the Bible have, have also dared God, and they've held on until, I, I think God knew my heart. He knew I was. I believed ultimately in a divine power, and he was willing to just say, okay, I'm going to remove the protection, let you deal with whatever comes in, whatever you need to deal with, and when you really need me and you're really humble, then I will help. And it actually took the priest coming in. He did a a few house blessings, but it took him coming in with the body of Christ um, and doing an actual exorcism. And when he asked the, the evil spirit to leave, that's when it left. There was a last splat in the hallway, and it was gone. When he did the house blessings, it didn't leave. He asked us, you know, if there was any rustle spirits or ghosts around to move on. There was nothing, nothing from that. Um, so the fact that he actually commanded through through Christ or through whatever higher power you're wanting to believe in, this was a Catholic priest who helped me. Um, that last splat in the hallway, and it was gone, and never came back. Um, so that told me, again, that that was evil because he commanded the evil to leave. That's when there was a last spot in the hallway. Uh, my, my dad was there, my boys and the priest all witnessed this, and, and there was no more water after that. We did not do another thing after that day to make that water stop, and it stopped. Okay. That's all I know. All right. No, fair enough. Uh, but the, the reason for the question about spirit is that the word spirit implies no body. No physicality, something that um, we have a problem with that because of the laws of physics in our world and in surrounding parallel worlds. We happen to think that that sort of thing explains the paranormal, you know, because of the theories of quantum physics and parallel realities and all sorts of things that that if people want to get into that, they can listen to other shows. We talk about it a lot. Sure, sure. And uh, yeah, and um, the the thing is when. 
these were if this is what happens if these worlds intersect and various laws of physics are mixed i've seen in in cases where a refrigerator floated uh seen by not only myself but police officers and firefighters who were standing right next to me and everybody say aha look what the demon did well i i'm not sure that these physical expressions are caused by the, I don't even think they're spirits, I think they're perfectly physical creatures in their own world, because I've had physical entanglements with them. But I think that maybe what we're dealing with is is forces and energies that are byproducts of the intersects of the world, maybe bringing in water, or maybe doing this. Now, this might be a fine point, because, you know, the, pr- the trouble is you had this problem, that you probably didn't care at the time what the cause was. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I didn't care what you wanted to call it. You could call it, you know, yeah. uh, Sasquatch or uh, what, I mean. Oh, really, it wasn't in there, honestly, was Honestly, yes, I no. didn't care. As long as it left, and all I know is I felt it was evil because there was just um, so many so many things that were going on that was scaring us. Yeah. And, you know, when you have that scary um, stuff going on, it, I mean, granted, we didn't have knives flying across the room. We had water. Yeah. Um, and I thank God it wasn't nice. Oh, I yeah, no, I've seen seeds, knives. You know, it's, uh, well, I'd rather have yeah. water. Yeah. Right, okay. absolutely. Well, Michelle, we have to take our uh, bottom of the hour break, and we'll be right okay. back, and we'll talk about the exorcism. So you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, minus the Ben today because he's sick, uh, on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley, broadcasting for it. it's our 70th year. So we'll be right back. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Greg Bell, the host of Win Radio Was. Hi, Mortimer. Bill. Is that you under that blindfold? Bill. With this thing on, I can't see who I am. No, I imagine not. Can't you see anything at all under that blindfold? On a clear day, I can see the blindfold. You can. Yeah. Win Radio Was. Shows from the past for today's imaginations. Win Radio Was airs Monday through Friday right here on ON 1240 Radio at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Okay, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. We have a number of charities we have adopted uh, on the show, and uh, we will talk about those during the announcement section, and you can also find out about those at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com. Now, Michelle, before we get into the final half hour here, because it's going quickly, tell us about your book, your websites, and uh, there is a contest, You may, uh, not a contest, but a, a giveaway of your book, you, and you're welcome to talk about that briefly. Okay, yeah, so the website is Rain, that's R-A-I-N, Rain No Evil, and the contest, or the giveaway, is for uh, one of my books each week. We'll be giving away on Facebook Live, and also uh, they'll be notified via email. Um, also, the grand prize is an hour session with the master healer who helped me. She's from Charleston, West Virginia. She'll do Skype or by phone if you're not in the area, and you can register for that on RainNoEvil.com, and that will be given away March, March the 7th, actually. The 6th is the last day to sign up. Okay, and I, I just have to give the disclaimer again that neither Ben nor I nor, nor Behind the Paranormal Show nor W O N twelve forty you know endorse uh, any any healers or anything of this kind, and this is entirely uh, being uh, carried on by our, our uh, very interesting guest uh, Michelle Zirkel Markham. So Michelle, uh, there are a number there are questions uh, actually that I would have about just before we get into the exorcism the. Um, any evidence, photographic evidence that you had? You mentioned orbs. I mean, f- frankly, that could be anything. But uh, were they the right. witnesses who came in? You said over 50 people had uh, come through the house at this point, uh, and they themselves witnessed this water and things of this kind. Yes, we were in small town Appalachia, so word got around very quickly. 
Um, so we had, you know, people at ball games asking us to share the story yeah. and people would stop by. In addition to the, the professionals that we were calling to help us with the actual uh, supposed leak. So, yes, we had many people there. Um, and, you know, many people saw it come from the air. Okay. So we don't know. Yeah. Well, we, we I, love I West Virginia except when stuff like this happens. So, <laughs> so, right. All right. So my well, book's been actually, it's been burned in West Virginia. It has also been banned in Ohio in a few stores because it's very controversial. When you start talking about someone questioning God, um, even though it's done in the Bible, you know, Jacob held on to that angel's like a pretty doggone long time, you know, in order to get the answer that he wanted. Uh, Elijah got the sign that he wanted from God when fire came down and consumed those 50 people. So there's there's a lot of that in the Bible, but when you start talking about it today, somehow it, you mix that with, with some of the sex that's in the book, um, and it was a, a relevant part. It had to be told in order to describe where where this character was. And I say character, but me. I you know I wrote it yeah. in third person. Um, so it it was it was needed. It needed to be told the way that it was. And when you start talking about questioning God, you know, especially in the Bible Belt, you're going to get a lot of different reactions. So it's been very controversial. But yet, um, when you if you read the entire book, you will see that there is a message there that. It is a positive message that you can change your life because this whole experience, I am so grateful for the experience, and I do want to say that. Yeah. Yes, it was a very difficult time. It was very challenging, challenging by in means of my faith, challenging in trying to, to see that there was a, a lot of things going on with my marriage, like the verbal abuse that you mentioned earlier that I didn't see. So yeah. it was extremely challenging. Well, we, we find that that, that sort that of to me. we find that sort of thing uh, rings the dinner bell for these parasitical entities, and other other ducks have to be lined up as well. But getting to the exorcism, what uh, <clears throat> it would? How did this come about? And how, how did you know which priest to contact, or did you contact any priest? And uh, at what point did the bishop get involved? Okay, uh, I actually went to my preacher first, and I walked in, and the secretary was there, and I asked for the preacher who had seen me grow up. I grew up across the street from the church. He had married my husband and I, and I looked at her, and I said, um, I need to speak to so-and-so because I have a, you know, a, a, a spirit in my house, an evil spirit. And, boy, you would have thought I asked her to actually write something in Arabic. Um, oh, sure. You know, that, I mean, this was a mainstream preacher, um, very good guy, but they don't, when mainstream churches is what I have found, and I have been through the Baptist, Methodist, everything from Pentecostal to uh, to Catholic, and so I've seen it, and I've been to the churches, and I know that they have good, a good intention, and they'll talk about spirit all day long. But when it comes down to something like this, they just do not, and they don't know how to deal with it. So he actually referred me to the priest, and the priest was a local uh, priest that was also in the same town uh, in Ohio. And he did get permission from, from the bishop in order to perform the exorcism. He had done, done it before once, uh, and we just lucked out. And I'm, I'm going to say lucked out, but I know that all this was lined up for me ahead of time. Uh, the help is out there where you need it, when you ask for it, and when you listen. And well, that's why I do the show. Sometimes. You know, I mean, priest, having, uh, having worked with a number of clergy in this who are, are generally not trained in this subject, uh, Catholic, Protestant, whoever, um, you know, and, and the, the Roman Catholic Church is very institutionalized. You, you were you were lucky that, yeah. uh, the, and because and, one of the things I was getting at was, was this a legitimate Roman Catholic priest? Because there are plenty of people out there oh, yes. who are yes. non-canonical, was actually, he was, and call, you know. And yes, so, he uh, was. Okay, he was, all right. 
He was absolutely, he was a cradle Catholic. He was a very holy man. And I have no doubt that if he had not been, that it would not have worked. And I know that, I know now, uh, because this has been years ago. This actually happened in 2006, okay? Um, I know now that it wouldn't have had to be a, a Catholic priest. I don't feel. I think there are other people now who could have done this, who could have helped me. Yeah. But, you know, that's who I reached out to. Uh, so, I've had people tell me at book signings that, that they had actually contacted a priest in Ohio, uh, not the same priest, but that the priest refused because they were not Catholic to come. And I've had several people tell me that. That's uh, my next priest, question. Uh, it is, uh, it's extraordinarily unusual for a Roman Catholic priest, you know, at least in, in my experience uh, with them, uh, to come into a house where people are not Roman Catholics and to do what they did. Exactly, and that's 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 very true. That's what, what I'm why do you think now. he did that? Well, when I called him, uh, I I knew him in the community. I just I'd seen him around, but I never we would go to we would go to the Catholic church once in a while on on uh, Christmas Eve just because it was beautiful, and you know I didn't know what was going on at the time then, and we'd do that a couple times uh, growing up. But other than that, I had no experience really with with the Catholic faith, and so when I contacted Father, I explained to him that you know what was going on at the house. And he got permission to come, and he was very conservative. Um, he said, well, let's, let's just do a house blessing. So that's why he came and did two house blessings, as I mentioned earlier, and the house blessing did not work. He didn't jump to the conclusion that, okay, this is actually something bad. We'll say, you know, this evil spirit, which is what I'm calling, and I know we're using different terms, but um, he did not jump to that conclusion. He actually said, let's, do, let's, let's start with this, this house blessing. And and we did, and it didn't work. So he came back, and he said, this time I'm bringing the body of Christ with me in the Eucharist form. We didn't partake of it. We, he just had it in his pocket. Um, we actually stood there, and he did the exorcism prayer. Now, it was not really frightening. The prayer was not. It, it was not like that. Um, it was very, it was broad daylight outside. We're standing upstairs, actually, in my youngest son's room, because his room seemed to be, um, a hot spot for this, and it actually started in the middle of the house in the hallway upstairs. Um, so that was uh, relevant to me. It started right smack dab in the middle of our house with our kids' rooms on one side and my husband and my room on the other side, like it was wanting to divide us, was just a symbol. That was a symbol to me. Um, but that last spot in the hallway, and it was gone. Um, so that, I don't know why he helped me other than he knew that I was um, that I was in need he was he was a very conservative person, but yet he knew that we had he he was witnessing it. He saw that we needed help, and he did get permission from the diocese. And I thank God for that. Literally, almost every day, still that that he what had the permission and that he had the holiness about him to be able to do that for me and for us, for my whole family. Okay. Uh, even though yep. I ended up getting a divorce, um, it it still was was something that helped us at the time. And it, it again, it gave me answers that I needed. Now, th- this is a question we ask all the time because people tend to think, and I think you have learned otherwise. People tend to think that, well, okay, this is happening to me. Uh, I didn't ask for it, really, and uh, you know, somebody please come in and fix it. But what we find is that we uh, now. How long did you live in the house before anything? Occurred now, now, albeit the the uh, marriage problems were taking place for a long time, but before anything you would judge to be paranormal occurred. Now, how many years had you lived in the house? We had lived in that house for eight years. Okay, that's funny. That's about 
it's usually four to eight years in our experience. What is it? I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear what you said. Oh no, no, it's usually four to eight years in our experience. But not always, but when someone lives in a house and then strange things start to happen. What changed after eight years that that, that could have triggered this? Well, like I said, that the only thing that I know that happened was the marriage had had been rocky from the time we moved in there. We but I the think it was the that. prayer. Right. That that's the only thing yeah. I know is that the only thing that changed what because the relationship between my my husband and I at the time was the same. Uh, we were both messing around on each other. We both loved each other, but we couldn't make it work. Um, and I think a lot of people can can understand that. You know, in the relationship, yeah, you can love someone without not, liking them. Absolutely. You, you can love someone and, and be trying to make it work and still be looking for love sure. in all the wrong places, so to yeah, speak. Yeah. And so that, that's what I was doing. And I found out that, you know, I really needed to just find out how to love myself, and I didn't need to look for that love in that way. And that's, that's part of the entire change that my life made as a result of that. Well, well okay. Well, so, so some good things certainly came out of this, as you say in the book. One of the, um, the things that we would suspect is that, you know, the, the, when you have this sort of a relationship in a house, uh, you're ringing the dinner bell for parasitical entities. And uh, but other things have, you know, a lot of families have that and don't have the problems you had. Um, did anyone? I, I'm sure this probably is a no. Did anyone happen to check the geotechnics of the site under the house, the the, the water table, the, the the type of soils? Because we find this can conduct electromagnetic fields that can make these these um, conjunctions and overwashes of these things uh, happen or permit them to happen, and then uh, parasites can get in or whatever you want to call them and, and feed upon these things and make so make trouble and you no, can have things happening I, like that. Not that I'm water. aware of. I, I don't believe anybody did that. Um, I mean, we didn't have a paranormal investigator in there or anything like that. Well, that like might that. be just, we just as well. Yeah. yeah, we did not. We didn't, we didn't get into that. Okay. Um, we didn't go that route, and uh, so I have no idea. And 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 even if there had been, uh, if if there was those uh, tendencies with the water under the house, as as you're describing, you know, kind of a something sitting there waiting to happen has more chance of happening because the water level was a certain way or the magnetics was a certain way. Um, still, to to me, even if that's the case, the fact that this happened and started three days after that prayer for mm-hmm. me, yeah. that. That that just to me could not be and was not coincident. Okay, in, in I my hear opinion. you. Yeah, how long after the exorcism or, or how uh, did the or, or the, the resolution, as you believe it was, how long after that did your divorce take place? Actually, we were married. We became Catholic, and we were Catholic for four years. And that's when I, um, I, I still was not happy with the marriage. You know, we, I had stopped messing around. I believe he had. Um, so w- that part of it was was better. Uh, but there still was this, this verbal abuse. And um, so we stayed married for four years before divorcing. I, I went to the, the energy lady. I had the, the attachments removed from me. Yeah. Um, and so I started working with her, and I started realizing that I could not change him. I could not change anybody but myself. And so I started working on myself and realizing that I either needed to accept the situation for what it was with him and, and, and be happy in it, or I was going to have to leave to be happy. And I decided that I had to leave to be happy. There was a verbal abuse agreement he signed. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a last resort. 
and uh, he, he abided or tried to abide by it for a couple weeks, and it, he just said, I can't do this. You might as well cut my tongue out. So yeah. um, I, I had to leave at that point. I didn't want to be 80 years old sitting there wishing that I, you know, sure. kind of just can wasted you, my life. Can you, Michelle, describe the nature of the attachments you believe you had that were removed well, by the energy healer? I All I know is what they sounded like. I, I know that I heard voices above me, and I knew there were numerous ones of this growling uh, sort of uh, sound, and I knew what they were saying. They kept saying it over and over. And that's all I know cause, because I had the seizure, um, and she had to cancel her appointments the rest of the day, and, and I just sat there and recuperated with her. Um, that, that's actually going to be in an article in the uh, um, Journal of Health and Human Experience. It's coming out next month. A magazine, a medical magazine, actually picked this up because they wanted the information from a layperson who had experienced this so that the medical community could, even though there may not be actual specific, there is research, and there's, there's some research in this field, but there's not a lot of it, and a lot of medical doctors do not believe it. So I had a medical doctor who actually is the state medical director in New Mexico who actually believed me, and he, he actually um, got his publication to put this in. It's called the Journal of Health and Human Experience. It's going to be out next month, and it's just, it's not even about the exorcism at the house. It is only about my experience. It's called Healing Hands, and it'll be out and it'll be online in March. Okay. Uh, what about mm-hmm. your children? Um, what was their experience during this whole thing, and how are they doing now? My oldest son is I'm actually at his house. I'm in South Carolina, and he moved uh, to South Carolina, uh, Columbia. He's a police officer uh, down here. He's 24 years old now. And my youngest son is a personal trainer, and he lives in Charleston, West Virginia with me, and uh, he's 19. And they're both, they both um, are very um, open to, um, you know, to, they, they, they had an experience. So a lot of kids just can't say that they had. And so they're, they're, both, um, they're both very supportive. Uh, they understand that, you know, I wrote about what I wrote about because I had the conviction to do it. And I wasn't doing it out of any sort of malice or uh, anything because, you know, it does involve a relationship with their parents. And um, they have two parents who love them very much, and um, they're, they're very well-adjusted, very well-adjusted boys. But, but what about during the, the events in the house? Uh, how, did they, how, how old were they and how did they react? Obviously, they were very small. Uh, well, my youngest was seven, going on eight, and he would see a lot of things. He saw uh, many things that frightened him. He would have to sleep with his TV on. Um, he was kind of the seer of, of the two of them. Um, my oldest one would know things were going on, like he would just know someone was outside in the locked garage, and that's something we didn't even get into. But in the book, there's, um, like I said, there's many, many facets of this story, many layers. Sure, The yes, driving force is the relationship, but, but definitely there's many, many other factors. The um, locked garages um, outside, my oldest son would just know there was somebody out there, and, and we would go running out. He would go running through the house. Mom, there's somebody out there. And we would get in, unlock the garage, and air was coming out of a busted tire. Um, and you just have to read the book to just get the whole context of that. But um, they both had, my oldest son was never scared. Um, his name, uh, well, in the book I changed the name, so I won't give his name on air. No, um, that's fine. And, yeah, and my youngest son, he would see things. He saw a black heartbeat on the wall one night, and he yelled for me to come out of my bedroom, which, his bed was facing the hallway, so when I came out of my bedroom, he saw me. And I get in his room, and he says, Mom, how did you do that? How did you walk through that guy? And I said, what? He said, you know, he saw this big, what he will call a Grim Reaper figure, black, 
a black figure, and he says, I walked through it. That's not why he had yelled for me. He had yelled for me because there was a heartbeat on his wall. Father had been there at this point already with the house blessing, and he had given my youngest son a bottle of holy water. And he said, use it, you know, spray, spray. We had water. We had to repaint the entire interior because of the water stains. But he would spray this around his room. And he said, Mom, I sprayed it and because I saw this heartbeat come up. And it wasn't a heartbeat like a pounding heart. He drew it for me, and it was like he said, like when Grandma was in the hospital. So he was drawing a heart monitor. And there was a zigzag line, you know, of a heart monitor. Mm-hmm. And he said, I sprayed the holy water on it, and I prayed like Father told me to. And he said, it turned into a cross. It turned into a circle with a cross. So, you know, then he said he went to make the sign of the cross in front of him, like Father, even though we weren't Catholic. You know, he was just doing whatever he could as, you know, seven going on eight-year-old would do. And he said white flakes fell from his finger. He said they were like kind of like feathers, Mom, and then they disappeared. What's that mean? You know, I didn't know what it meant. I, I looked it up later, and I, I know now that it is a sign of, of a seer. Um, I didn't know that then. And, and it's just a lot of things have opened up to me, a lot of different possibilities. Like you said, the terms we use are nowhere near adequate to describe that unknown world that we just can't touch, but sometimes we can feel and experience. That's right. Uh, let me ask another question, and this is not addressed in most books, and uh, you may not have done this. At any point, did you hear anything from your neighbors or any anybody from the surrounding area about the, their houses or families having having problems? Maybe not no. too similar to this. Absolutely. Nope. Like I said, we lived in a very small town, Appalachia. Yeah. Everyone knew us because of the professions. You know, I was teaching. My husband is a police officer, obviously. Um, we had the, we had bought the house from the people who moved behind us and had built a new house. They were an older couple. And we, we did ask them, did you have any similar problems in your house, you know, when, when you were living there? And they said no. They had not had any experience. And none of the neighbors surrounding uh had any any problems like that that we are aware of. I had many people actually come to my book signings that um, were in the area and just glad the story was, was finally out, and none of them have had anything like that. That's actually rather unusual. What was your, and this is going to sound even funnier, what was your electric bill like during this period? And nothing was, was different. Really? That was all the same. Yeah, that was That's all the same. That's very unusual, too, because in. these things, when they can't get you, they'll feed on your electrical system. Hmm. Yeah, no, nothing was any different. The electrical hmm. stuff was all. We didn't have any electrical problems. Uh, the the insurance company did want us to turn off the electric and the water before they came because they had contractors coming. And I said, well, we're living in the house. And they said, well, how are you living there? And I said, well, you don't understand. It's not like water is like standing in the house. It's not like we're standing in pools of it. It's shooting across the room. And we actually just dry it up. We had hardwood floors. We would dry it up with towels. And, you know, it might happen again in five minutes. It might happen again in, in two hours. But I did notice that uh, the more people, the more the more people that came to the house to stop by, the more it happened. It, it would really feed off of that energy from people coming. Interesting. The like house. the Bell Witch mm-hmm. case. Well, I have to tell you, Michelle, I wish I'd been involved in this because this sounds very interesting and very un- certainly unusual, not just because of the water. Um uh, the what, whatever happened? I mean, did you remarry? I'm just that's personal curiosity. I mean, and, and what happened with your uh, with your ex husband? Uh, my ex husband actually still lives in the house. It is for sale, not because of that. It's been uh, it's 
I actually lived there with him after this, and there was nothing, you know, going on in the house at the time that I left. And I'd been there for, like I said, over four years after the exorcism. Um, but it is for sale now, and uh, I am remarried. Uh, I remarried about two years after I divorced him. So, and you yourself uh, have not had any more any more problems that we would call paranormal. Uh, my my new husband and I had we did have a few uh, things happen at our house. Nothing with water, but um, I oh, see how po- how potent prayer can be. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want me to, to share that with you briefly. Well, actually, uh, well, just very briefly because we're almost out of time. Okay. Okay. My my husband now believed my story entirely, but he had never had an experience of his own, and so I did pray that if there was something that he needed to experience that that it would be provided to him. If there was something that would benefit him, that's how I prayed, a very benevolent prayer. And about a week later, um, it, there were some things that started happening at the house. Um, a tote fell off, tried to, he says he felt it tried to hit him a few times, doors opening and closing, um, woke up with something setting on him in the middle of the night um, that basically paralyzed him, and he felt it was crushing his chest. We prayed, he and I both. Um, he, he actually is a, a minister as well, although he's not a practicing preacher anywhere um so we both had a lot of faith and it left um it i don't know what it was um but there was something that came in as a result again of that prayer and so i realized how powerful prayer is um even though i was not wishing any ill intent on anyone um sometimes uh we just don't realize that that our prayers are actually heard and and i can tell you that mine mine definitely oh mine are well if, and i if, believe if everyone's is. that's ser- certainly seems to be the case if if i may make so bold as to give you some friendly advice i i, I wouldn't do any more testing through prayer mm-hmm. if i were you i wouldn't you know ask for any more proofs i just sort of roll with it you know? right I, right yes I, but, absolutely i don't need proof um and that prayer again that was just um that was just really for him i i he was struggling with trying to comprehend um even though like i said he believed me it wasn't that he didn't believe but but believing that something can happen to someone else and actually experiencing it yourself is two completely different ballgames, as you know. Yes, and so yes. it, it was it was just it was said completely out of just like I said, benevolence, no ill will and, and for God's will to be done. And that's the way I prayed and, and evidently that was what was happening. But okay. uh, yeah, I I do believe our prayers we, we do need to be very careful how we pray. And, you know, the fact that I question God, I'm still thankful to this day that I did, because if I hadn't, I may not have had that answer, and I may not have be where I am. I may not have gotten out of that situation yeah. that I was in. Uh, well, cer- certainly a very interesting there. case. Yeah. And, Michelle, thank you so much for being with us. And, again, uh, michellemzirkel.com. And uh, check it out, folks. Very interesting, very unusual case. Michelle? And rain and rainnoevil.com. Rainnoevil.com, right. And all the best to you. Thank you very much, Paul. You have a wonderful day. Well, we'll see what happens. Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. All Bye-bye. right. Now, folks, to our announcements. Uh, our new book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, is in most bookstores, and if they don't have it, they can get it. It's also available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and other online retailers, though not on Kindle yet, and the publisher tells us they... Uh, they have a system with that, but it's not available yet. Uh, but if you're really a hardcore, you can get an autographed copy at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, uh, or our main website, NewEnglandGhosts.com, uh, and we'll certainly uh, be happy to sign those for you. Then all, all my other books are there, too, from uh, Days of Yore. 
yesterday, February 18th, we had a delightful time, Ben and I, at the Danbury Public Library in Danbury, Connecticut, uh, where we had a terrific audience and a great time, uh, especially because uh, Danbury is well within the Litchfield Triangle area we've been talking about uh, so frequently on the show and that we've worked on since uh, 2005. Uh, many thanks uh, to Aurelio from the library staff uh, who worked with Laurie, our casting producer, to do some great advance work for that appearance. Uh, wonderful crowd. Uh, the only thing is, as I say, I hope uh, nobody kissed Ben because he's sick today, so I don't know. Anyway, our next appearance and book event will be in two weeks on Saturday, March 4th at the Barnes & Noble Bookstore in Hadley, Massachusetts for a presentation and book signing from 2 to 5 p.m. That's a bit of a hike from our listening area, but hey, you know, give it, take a chance. The week after that, Saturday, March 11th, will be at the Book Lovers Gourmet Bookstore in Webster, Massachusetts, right in our listening area here, for a presentation and signing beginning at 2 p.m. The following week, Saturday, March 18th, we'll be presenting and signing at the Toadstool Bookshop in Keene, New Hampshire. So we're kind of all over the place. Uh, major events where we will be speakers this spring will include the 2017 Northeast Parafest in Kittery, Maine on April 29th and the Saucer Symposium at the KRI Center for Consciousness Studies in Stratham, New Hampshire on May 20th to 21st. On the 21st, we'll do the live show uh, noon to 1 p.m. on our usual slot from that event with a panel of the speakers and take another 10 years off Ben's life because he has to set it up and produce it. New events are being added frequently, so check BehindTheParanormal.com or our show Facebook page for updates. Uh, there's also our poor YouTube channel, uh, and Ben and his new wife have had a lot of things to deal with, uh, with a lot of things. <laughs> Um, and the, the, Ben has not really had a lot of chance to keep up with the YouTube channel. However, it is there. Look for Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, or Behind the Paranormal Case Files. And there are three in there already, and a fourth one about the Bridgeport Poltergeist case of 1974 will be forthcoming soon. Uh, so let's, um, uh, anyway, I, I find out more about the show at uh, BehindTheParanormal.com, public appearances, and 700 free recorded hours. I believe it's more than that now uh, on that uh, on that website, and they're all free, uh, including um, both sh- shows both from ON 1240 here and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS radio, along with special shows and podcasts. And uh, that website is being completely redesigned, by the way. Uh, let's see, there is a, a new book out now that, to which I contributed from our good friend Tim Beckley. He publishes an average of uh, only three books a month. And the, this one is Amityville and Beyond, Lore of the Poltergeist. Uh, this includes two poltergeist cases of mine. And there are a bunch of other uh, interesting authors in there, too, so check that out on Amazon.com. So next Sunday, February 26th, uh, we'll bring you an open line show with our favorite guest co-host Shane Searway, weather permitting because it comes from New Hampshire, and we'll tackle a number of very interesting questions from listeners on many paranormal subjects. We leave you this afternoon with a thought from that dear old teddy bear, Albert Einstein. Logic will get you from A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. I'm Paul Eno. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal.